Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. This morning's Gospel reading is from Matthew 26, 36-46. And I know we just finished up with the Easter season and we've gotten through Pentecost now, but before we move on to something different next week, I want to go back to that evening in the garden of Gethsemane and the betrayal and arrest of Christ. I want to look at one more thing, and that's the spiritual tragedy. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of God. This morning's scripture gives us a description of a spiritual tragedy, or a path that leads to spiritual destruction. The first thing that we see in this passage is self-confidence with the disciples. And if you remember, right before they come out to the, to the garden here, the disciples, disciples were in the upper room, and they just have taken part in the Lord's Supper, as we will hear this morning as well. But they were arguing among themselves over what we would consider to be a ridiculous thing. They were arguing among themselves as to which one of the twelve would be the greatest in the kingdom. Now you talk about self-confidence. They, they have it right there. They are confident that I'm going to be the best in the kingdom. And they were arguing about this. But as we see, self-confidence always opens the door to temptation. And that is the first step on the path to destroy your spiritual life. We become confident in our own ability to do things. We become confident in our own life, to live it with our own power. The disciples thought they could do this. But notice what happens next. After they leave the upper room, they're heading to the garden. 
And as they enter the garden, Jesus tells them to stay alert. Watch out for me while I go over here and pray for a while. No doubt the disciples are still in their self-confident mode. And what happens? They all fall asleep. And that's really the next step in, on the path of spiritual destruction. The disciples all fell asleep physically, meaning they were physically asleep, like we go to sleep hopefully each night. See, they thought they could stay awake all on their own. Eh, I can stay awake. It's not a big deal. I can stay up all night. But they all fell asleep. For us today, we can fall asleep spiritually by ignoring the evil things in this world, becoming indifferent to the injustices that we see happening all around us, letting this world corrupt us, letting the world corrupt our morals. See, I believe there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong. I believe everything is black and white. It's either right or it's wrong. There is no gray area in God's eyes. He knows right and he knows wrong. We're the ones that make the gray area in our life. And there's a, a term in the, the computer industry that, that we talk about sometimes. Garbage in, garbage out. Meaning, if you put bad data into the computer or wrong data into the computer, it'll process it, but it'll spit out bad data as well. It'll give you an answer, but the answer won't really mean anything. The same thing with our processor, the same thing with our brain. If you're putting garbage into your brain, whether it's from television, books, magazines, music, or whatever, you're naturally going to start to have that garbage replicate itself in your life. And that's what happens as you kind of doze off and you don't filter out things in your brain. You just let everything come in rather than cut it off. And as we doze in our spiritual life, we have less and less concern what goes into our minds, what goes into our brains what we hear, what we see. And that filters down into our heart. And that leads us to the next step, which is the temptation. And this is what Satan really uses against us to draw us away and keep us away from God. Each of us is no doubt tempted by different things. Or we struggle with temptations throughout our life. But usually it has to do with our rights, especially here in America. It has to do with our rights. I have a right to watch what I want to watch on TV. I have a right to read what I want to read. I have a right to do what I want to do. I have a right to listen to what I want to listen to. And as we continually agree with that and believe that we have those rights to do those things, the temptation builds. And as Paul said, yes, as Christians we do have rights to do things, but not everything is profitable for us. 
And as temptation builds in your life, it becomes more and more difficult to flee from it. Anytime I think about temptation, I think of that story of Joseph from the Old Testament. And no doubt you're familiar with the story from Genesis 39. Joseph, as we know, is a a nice-looking young man, blessed by God, and he was in charge of Potiphar's household. And Potiphar's wife became interested in Joseph, as you no doubt recall, and wanted to essentially sleep with him. And she nags him about it. She tries to convince him for a period of time. And finally Joseph responds and he gives an excellent speech about why he cannot do that. But as I've said before, words without action oftentimes mean nothing. So Joseph eventually has the opportunity to prove himself by not giving in to the temptation. And the scene occurs later when Joseph is alone in the house with Potiphar's wife. She grabs him and tries to seduce him into sleeping with her. And Joseph literally leaves his garment behind. He literally leaves his shirt or his jacket behind and runs from the situation. See, Joseph knew right from wrong. And he fled that temptation. No doubt Potiphar's wife was a beautiful young woman. And there's this woman literally thrusting herself upon him. But Joseph knew it was wrong. And he fled the temptation. He did not give in to it. Unfortunately for us, for many people today, the temptation leads to the sin. Many people today would not be like Joseph and flee. Many people would succumb to the temptation. And this is only natural, especially for the self-confident person, the evil-tolerant person, and the person who does not rely on God for strength. Without God's help, we cannot withstand Satan and avoid sin. We are all sinners by nature. Romans 3.10 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. And the last step of our spiritual tragedy or our path to spiritual destruction is the actual disaster. When you trust in your own confidence and believe that you can live your life in your power and you give in to temptation and sin, then you often find yourself calling your sin by a different name. Instead of calling it sin, today people call it a lifestyle choice or an alternate lifestyle or just a quirky habit or he's just got a fiery temper or that's just the way he is or that's just the way I am. But as you no longer look at your sin as being sin, the worst part is you no longer feel the need to repent. You no longer feel the need to ask God for forgiveness. 
And that, of course, leads you to your spiritual destruction. That is exactly the path that the disciples followed that night in the garden. And this is the path that we follow when we do not trust in God and we try to trust in ourselves. The disciples were all confident in themselves. They didn't need help to stay awake. And as they started to maybe kind of nod off a little bit, they kind of figured, ah, you know, a little nap won't hurt. After all, there are ten other guys here. They'll watch. A little nap for me isn't a big deal, right? But they all fall asleep. And then they give in to that temptation of sleep and not obeying God's command to wait with him and watch. They fell asleep. And when they wake up, there's the mob ready to arrest Jesus. What a sad example in this passage of what can happen to people as they relax in their spiritual journey. But there is some good news too. And that's why we went back to this passage this morning. See, the passage definitely gives us the example of a spiritual tragedy. But it also shows us the spiritual victory as well. And that is the path that Jesus Christ took. It's the exact opposite of the way the disciples went. This means you have confidence in God rather than yourself. You know that you cannot do what he wants you to do in this world without his power, without his spirit working in your life. When you see evil in this world, when you see injustices happening, and I'm not just talking around the world, that you see on TV, or you hear in the radio, or you watch, uh, or you read in the paper. But I'm talking in your own community, at work, or where, wherever it is that you go, the evil and injustices that occur. Address it as such. Don't just walk by it or ignore it. But address it as being wrong. When we get into a, a tempting situation, we're to flee from that temptation like Joseph did. Not through our own power, not through our own will, but through God's power. As I said, each of us are tempted by different things. No matter what age, from the youngest to the oldest, we all have our temptations. Rely on God's power to flee from that temptation. And of course, obeying God's will is key to our spiritual victory. As we rely on Him, trust in Him, and obey in Him, He will give us victory for eternity. And that is our challenge for this week, to be confident in God, not to turn your back and ignore the wrongs of this world, but pray that God delivers you from temptations that arise in your life 
And if you see a temptation starting to form, run from it. Who cares if you look ridiculous in front of some people or they'll laugh at you? Run and flee from that temptation. But as I said, we are all sinners. And unfortunately, we do give in to temptation. And if you should find in your life that a failure did occur and you did sin, call it sin. Take it to God and ask for forgiveness. Call it what it is. And this is most important. Repent, turn to God, ask for forgiveness, and seek to obey His will. The disciples were not perfect. But they did rely on God and trust their Lord, trust their Master, Jesus Christ. And they lived and they died for Him. And we should be prepared to do the same today as well. Let us close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. and We thank You for the many lessons that we find in it. And we ask that You help us to continue to study its truths so that we may put into practice the things that we do indeed learn from You. Help us to trust and obey. Cleanse our hearts and purify our minds as we prepare to commune with You and others with this holy supper. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.